Here is the situation, ladies and gentlemen. I thank you all for joining us this evening in this virtual space, and a big congratulations to tonight's winners. We are truly lucky to be surrounded by so many beautiful and talented individuals. With no shortage of creativity and excellence, especially during the particularly interesting year that we've had. It is a privilege for myself to give out tonight's final award of the evening. The films we honor tonight have inspired us, touched our hearts, gave us hope and joy, and may even change our thinking. And I think that it can be said that our goal in art is to get to the truth. Tonight we have hopefully brought to light the impact that films have made and can make on our lives as individuals and as society as a whole. And without further ado, the Academy has made their decision. And the Oscar for Best Picture goes to... What? This this can't be right. The, the Parking Lot Podcast? The, the show where four friends, Kate Latimer, Maggie Prince, Elise Bailey, and Elliot Janetta share stories, discuss topics, and talk about the things they love in the hopes to inspire one another to continue to make cool and creative stuff? Really? Them? Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, the Parking Lot Podcast. I have such a story to tell you, Elliot, for my week. Should we get into it? Yeah. Well, welcome everybody to another at-home edition of the Parking Lot Podcast. We are here. We are all together virtually here to talk about everything we like to do at home. So we're going to talk about our weeks. Kate, since you just let us in, why don't you start? Okay, so this is my week has been great. I've been at home, continue to be at home. I don't leave the house. But something crazy, one of the crazier things of my life happened to me two days ago. I was logging, logging into my online banking and I was on the phone with um, Elise and my boss, Byron. And I was like, it's not letting me log in. I have to fill out the security question and they won't take my answer. And now it's saying there's an email to someone else. It was like very confusing. I didn't want to deal with it, but something was off. So the next day I look into it and someone's account, like RBC bank account, has been autofilled in my login. So now I have my info and this other random debit card. So I go into my like Google Chrome save passwords. I can see the password. I can see the debit card. The next day, they don't ask me a security question. I log in to be like, is this a bot? Is this crazy? What is what? I'm fully in this girl's bank account. I can see everything. I could have drained her savings. So I call RBC to be like, hey, I think there's a security breach. Somehow I just woke up and have access to the, this girl's bank account. And they were like, um, we can't really deal with this because it's not, you're not the owner of this debit card. So we can't, it's a confidentiality breach. And I was like, you don't want her name? Nothing like, no. They're like, clear your browser history. I was like, okay. Okay. Yeah. So 
I then go on a mission and I'm like, I have to find, I'm not going to say her name on this podcast, but I have to find this girl. And uh, I Google her name. And the first thing that comes up is an Instagram account with like mutual friends. And I was like, well, obviously it's not this girl who like also lives in Toronto is my age and has mutual friends. But her name ends in like a three digit number, which is also how her password ends, <laughs> which I weirdly know because I just have all of her information. So I was like, oh my God, it has to be her. I like look around for a little bit longer and I was like, okay, I'm just going to cold message her. So I like message her on the Instagram. You just cold message like, her, thanks for all the money. <laughs> <laughs> Sucker. Being like, I don't know if this is you, but if it is, like I have access to this person's account. This is the last four digits of your debit card. And like, here's your full name. If you want to like talk, here's my number. So she, she messages, cause I was like, she'll think this is spam. But she messaged me back being like, this is so crazy. I've had trouble logging into my account. Like, can I call you? So we have a phone call. I tell her the story. She is like, so nice and calm and cool about it and like talks to RBC they don't know anything we have no explanation she's like do you live in the beaches I'm like no she I'm like have you ever logged into another computer recently is there are are you somehow like logged into my google account no we have no explanation for how this happened and that's where the story ends with no conclusion I blame the YMCA there was no resolution. There's no resolution. Like, I don't know what the next step is, but that's crazy. That's crazy. R- that's RBC terrifying. Just said, RBC just told you, close your eyes, you know, go back to sleep, <laughs> pretend it didn't happen, you know, just this. You're actually dreaming right now. This is not real. Like, you are. That's the scariest part that they they did not care. I called it in and they were like, clear your browser history. I was like, I don't think you're grasping what the issue and is. And they, they didn't contact her? No, they didn't take her info. Whoa. Which that to me is the most ridiculous part. Like as an RBC customer, I would be like, wow, I have zero faith in your security measures. They must be like waiting for someone to drain her account and then they'll deal with it. Yeah. (laughs) She messaged me being like, thank you for saving my small, but very like precious life savings. And I was like, Ooh, anytime. Like, yeah, it just got, it just got smaller. Just got smaller. I have paid myself a small finder's fee. <laughs> anyway, we're now friends on Instagram. If you're listening, unnamed, cool to meet you. you. you are. <laughs> we have mutual friends like Jameson Miller. <laughs> Shout out, Jamie. Shout out to um, Jamie. Do you feel this is the start of a beautiful friendship? I certainly hope so. That just starts with financial honesty. Anyway, that was my week. Maggie, how was your week? Um, My week has also been, it's been nice. I also haven't left the house. That's not like unusual for me. Um, Though in the past like few months, like, uh, like Kate or Sarah will be like, Maggie, you want to come for a walk? And I'll be like, well, I guess I haven't left the house in three days. But um, I'm okay You have a tactic where you're, where it's like 1 p.m. and you haven't started work. So the idea of even going for a a walk is too much. Like, I actually have a lot of work to do. I do at that point. (laughs) So I'm like, I'm going to have to work late now. Um, Anyways, my week's been good. Um, I've been prepping for summer 
because I'm really excited. So I've been looking into um, a lot of like cooler options um, so I can have like an easy time going to the beach or going to the island. Um, And so I'm looking into getting like a a cooler backpack and I've been looking at like lots of lists of like the best cooler option. Um, I really thought you meant like how to be cooler. (laughs) No. It took me a little while to understand that. You're like cooler at the beach. I was like, what? I did too. I was like, what kind of cooler? What suntan lotion do I have to buy? Well, I have been looking at lists of the best suntan lotions. Um, I don't need a list on how to be a cooler person. Um, Excuse me. Uh, You are a cooler person. (laughs) I am a cooler person. Uh, Yeah. So I've just been, I've been prepping. I'm like looking into lawn chairs because I feel like we spent all of our summer sitting in like parks and getting like our butt sore because like we couldn't go to like patios for a time so we just had to sit on the ground for a long time and it like hurts your butt so I'm like maybe I should buy a lawn chair this summer but then I'm like is that embarrassing to be like going to a park with a lawn chair and then absolutely not what about like carrying the long chair lawn chair that's annoying yeah you won't be the cooler person in that situation no especially if the two friends you meet up with are like sitting down You'll so, be the grandma. Yeah, I'm like, I'm really, I'm really prepping. Uh, I'm gonna buy a basketball, I think. Wow. So, so summer here I come. I'm on your team though. I'm very anti-ground sitting. I, my my bum was not built for sitting on grass in hard dirt. I'm not. I don't have the padding for it. I remember that from last summer. Yeah, we went on a trip, and you had to like bring extra pillows to yeah. sit outside. Yeah. <laughs> not a lot of not a lot of junk in this trunk. Are you trying to flex on us? It's it would be an anti-flex. He's got a very lean butt. That's what I'm saying. Whatever the opposite. I'm thick, slim. I'm the opposite. A very thin (laughs) bum, but like very thick upper body and lower half. Mm. Yeah, got very Johnny Bravo wide calves. That's like so untrue. Sometimes. I'm worried you're going to like snap in half if you run too fast. You have like oh, no means for legs. <laughs> Elise, how was your week? It's good. Um, probably Kate's story has been the most eventful part of my week. To me, it like, it truly baffles me since I found out about it. I'm like, how many other people are accidentally logged into my bank account? And I have no idea. And it's really weird. Cause before you told me that, I had a bunch of really weird charges in my bank account this morning and like it was like 9 a.m. and I'd already spent $150 and I was like, how is that possible? I just Oasis Aqualound membership. (laughs) (laughs) But the weird thing was that they were all unnamed transactions. It just said visa debit purchase. And I was like, where to who when? Oh, shit. So I had to call the bank to be like, what, who this? And then they were like, oh, sometimes it just takes a little while for the name to come up. But for like a good hour there, I was like, somebody just went to town on three different things this morning in the bank account. Maybe subscription. Was it your, were they your purchases? Yeah, it was my good food box. Okay. Three good food coupons if anyone's interested. Great, four, three boxes. Uh, But yeah, other than that, uh, my week has been a mishmash of starting to go back to the office and working from home, Uh, being in the office again with Byron after one full week. It's like it's like seeing your friend from camp for a long time that like (laughs) you guys only hang out at camp. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So there's been a lot of a lot of jokes, not a lot of work happening. Uh, But other than that, uh, you guys really miss each other and it's beautiful. 
It I'm is. third wheeling hardcore on all of our work meetings. There's like eight inside jokes and we're like, oh yeah, hey King. Um, we we're actually imitating you this morning. You have a crack habit now. <laughs> tell her the joke, tell her the joke. No, you tell her the joke. Okay, I'll tell her the joke. Um, but in bigger news, uh, this is my last ever week of school. My undergraduate degree is... By the time you're listening to this, I have completed. Fingers crossed that I have not failed, but I have a good feeling that I will not be failing. And yeah, it's a very, 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 very weird, weird end to a really bizarre four years. Uh, definitely going out with a... <laughs> I can't see any of my fellow classmates. Is, was that a death rattle? That was like the opposite of like a big bang. Yeah. A slow hiss. Yeah, a big... (laughs) (laughs) Squeezing the last bit of air out of a balloon. Uh, So yeah, I feel very mixed emotions. I might break down and cry during this episode. You did it. You made it through. I'm so excited for you. (laughs) Thank you. I really didn't think I would make it. So Now you're off to real adult life. Finally, you can start a real job. We're going to have a proper celebration when we can. Mm-hmm. A lot of food, uh, cake. I hope I get to have a celebration as well with the people that I went to school with. That'll be. I care less about that. No, you'll never see those people again. I don't know them. <laughs> um, that, shout this, out, though. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> shout out to all my Humber, BMFP, PFP poo-poos that some of you listen to this podcast so thank you for that and um all the best this is the realest you know of, of all of them okay <laughs> she was just trying to get like a heartfelt yeah i was like truly trying to say goodbye, goodbye. <laughs> she's just like to pop in um <laughs> those are the kinds of messages she gets from her peers <laughs> they message her to be like yo at least you're the realest anyways uh every single year was chaos and now it's over elliot how was your week um my week's been pretty average today i got a pimple the size of mount kilimanjaro on my head and it was so large and so painful that it gave me a migraine oh my Um, god can you lean into the screen so we can see it you can't, you can't there. really see it, but it's like, it you can is see a shadow of it. It looks like I'm growing a horn is what it looks like. Like I'm sprouting horns. Which is really what cute, kind of massive pimple can't be seen on zoom? No, I just have a very, I have all the beauty filters on. on. <laughs> um, I finished my Lego set. That's been pretty good. All 3,200 pieces of it. Congratulations. Congratulations. So the both of you have huge accomplishments this week. You should take a picture of it so we can put in the sneak peek for this episode. I will. Um, We it's the last episode of Invincible tomorrow, which I'm very sad about, but excited about. Um, We finished Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which was which was okay. It's not the best show in the world. That's I heard it had a strong ending. I would say it had a not strong ending. Okay. I would say it had a cringe ending. It's not a cringe ending, but definitely not. Like the show is like, I would say a solid seven. Like it had like interesting things throughout the, uh, throughout the show, but they didn't really commit all the way to any of these kind of 
big ideas that they were focusing on. But um, yeah, other than that, my week has been pretty, pretty, pretty good. Well, it sounds like parking lot has had an eventful week. It does. The other part. induced migraines and fraud and academic completion. What about me? And, being and you home. didn't leave the house. <laughs> um, another big thing that happened this week that is our main topic was the Oscars. Um, did you guys watch it? I watched it. Well, at least uh-huh. watched it with me. So I know she watched it. I did not watch it. Um yeah, the it, it was not like the right I don't know. I like didn't even think to. I, I watched it in like a very like um I watch it the same way every single year and that wasn't like an option this year, so I just like didn't even think to do it. I was what like well, way? well I usually my dad gets at like a he makes like a whole bunch of hors d'oeuvres that basically fill our whole entire dining room table and we each invite like a friend or at this point a significant other. And we have like an Oscar party and it's like really, really fun. And we just like drink a lot of Prosecco and eat a lot of hors d'oeuvres for dinner and have a really good time. And we couldn't do that this year. So like, I don't know. I just like, I also just like haven't seen any of the movies. I don't know. I just, I didn't watch it. Last year's was in person, right? They were still in person, the yeah. award show last year. So this was the first Oscars that was um, televised just um, not, oh, it was still live, I guess. It wasn't like a pre recorded thing, but it was significantly less people. And they changed, they used this as like an opportunity to like what change the order of how they do stuff okay. and um, the format. How did you guys, those who did watch it, so like Kate, how did you feel? Did you like this one or did what did you, how did you feel about it? Well, I went in with a very, very low bar thinking it was going to be horrible. And I was pleasantly surprised. Um, To me, it felt much less like fun and more focused on the awards, which I'm not upset at. I'd have to like reassess what the Academy Awards evening is for me. Um, So I missed all the like nonsense that goes on and and people getting like out of control and all the mistakes that happen. Um, But I thought it was... Well, I thought it was beautiful. They shot it at Union Station in Los Angeles, and it was, like, stunning. And they had this opening shot. It was Steven Soderbergh who directed it. It was like you were watching Ocean's Eleven. It was just Regina King doing this gorgeous walk up to the stage. So I thought it was, like, beautifully filmed, but it was also missing the, like, what I watch it for, which is nonsense. I wanted more, like, chaos. When it and started, I thought it was pre-recorded, like the way they were shooting it. I think that first shot must have been. It wasn't because they wasn't? just. I think they just used um, whatever some sort of higher level camera that's not just used for like I don't know news or whatever. They just use like a televising camera or something like that. Because oh, I you I see just... her walk off the whatever where they're taking photos and stuff and walk into the theater and they use that same camera and they put like the widescreen bars on top just to make it feel more cinematic, I guess. Yeah. 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 How did you guys feel about it? Elise? Um, I actually liked it. I sometimes find like all the theatrics and like 
rigmarole of the Oscars to be like a bit cringe and distracting sometimes. And I feel like it goes on for so long. Um, and I really enjoyed, like, I felt like this is what it must be like to be at like the BAFTA awards or the SAG awards, where it's just like focused on the presentation of these awards and the actors and like being serious about it. I did not like the little interludes with that guy. I can't remember his name, but the guy who's doing the like trivial questions. Yeah. little Rel. I did. I did not think he was a strong enough host to some degree. Um, I didn't like the girl who's going to be from West Side Story. But yeah, I kind of enjoyed it. I felt more engaged. I also haven't seen most of the most of the movies. I only saw three of them. I think that like this worked for the year. I don't think this format could be applied to other years. I don't think it would fly with like a more high profile uh, lineup of movies. This was the lowest viewed Oscar in Oscar history. Um, so I think this was like the only year to take this chance. And I think this chance worked out well. I didn't hate it, but it wasn't good in compared to other ones. But for the situation, I liked it. Um, well, it was actually down 60% from last year, like viewership. Yeah, yeah something, that's, something, huge. Something, that's something. mostly Maggie Prince's family, though, yep. to yeah. be fair. <laughs> and all the all the adorbs that watch. The significant um, um, I thought it was one of the most boring two and a half, three hours of TV that I've ever seen. It was so, I thought it was dull, super, super dull. Because at the end of the day, I think the SAG Awards is the awards that's for the craft and the BAFTAs or like, if you really want to focus on like the actors getting the awards, you watch that award show. And I think that the Oscars are like the Hollywood awards. They're like the, you're almost like the celebrity awards and like i feel Can I like ask a question do you find the regular oscars extremely entertaining no not always no. like i think um some of them depends on the host i think the host needs to be really good it's always usually a lot better when there's a comedian who does it um like billy crystal is usually mm-hmm. good um i, I just know. needed a baseline for what your oscars experience normally is like I'm I think they made a, a a mistake in doing all the musical numbers first. Like we were watching it started at 6:30. Right? Yeah, which I didn't know. I accidentally checked in at 7:10 and it was like on. Oh shit. And they do like the red carpet thing and they do like intercut with like all these pre-recorded musical performances, which I guess makes sense for what they have to do for the COVID protocols and stuff. Cause they do all the, I don't know if they spread out the musical performances or they do all them the night before, but they do it on the beginning of the show. And then they do like, you know, the classic, like, what are you wearing? Like kind of t- where they talk to the people on the red carpet, but there's also a significantly less amount of people. So people get less excited about all that stuff anyway, but I don't know. I feel like they just, they didn't, um, utilize any of like the cool movie stuff that they can use. Honestly, I thought the most exciting part of it was the first time you watch the Rolex commercial that comes on during that Oscars, where they show the clips of all the different watches and all the different movie scenes and all the kind of stuff. Like people don't really utilize the montage as much as they, they should, they should (laughs) totally utilize the montage. Yeah. They could have done a lot of, a lot more pre-recorded, uh, stuff and they barely did any like i think in a normal oscars there's more pre-recorded material of like fun little segments Mm -hmm. and they could have done a bunch of people at home 
like sending best wishes, but instead it was Brian Cranston with first, they were trying so hard to be serious. And I was like, yeah, why did they do that? That's not like, they that just is kept the thanking first responders and like yeah. healthcare workers. Oh, well that's very Oscars. Like to, to just like be thanking the firefighters, be thinking like the, I don't know. I like, from what it sounds like, it, it sounds like this Oscars like didn't, they didn't like understand their own assignment. Like I feel like what Elliot was saying about how like the BAFTAs is a serious one. And then like maybe the Golden Globes is like the one where everybody gets drunk and that's like the funny one. And the Oscars is like the glamour. That's like yeah. like the, and like, it seems like they just didn't, they're, they're not, they didn't try to do that this year, it's which the- is movie star awards like this yeah. is like this is we want to see all the people that we see in these magazines all the time like it's yeah. you want to see them front and center and you want to see them try and act normal for a period of time when they have to go up and make a speech and some of them who are smart and they have it prepared ahead of time and the people who don't right this is mm-hmm. another thing that we saw with this one where we saw like this is the first time where they i don't know they didn't really cut people off in the speeches and some people kind of went on and on and on some of them were really good but some of them were like, well, there was one guy who did an animated short or the animated feature or something that went on and he was like trying to be funny and it was not oh, yeah. funny at all. And there was another one where there was a guy and a girl up on stage and the girl looked like she was having a nervous breakdown being up on stage. She was so nervous. That was, Do you remember that? that Pixar? Yeah. It wasn't Pixar, but it was, um, I don't know if it's like documentary short or one of those awards. It was, or something. Something. It was the uh, My Octopus Teacher. Oh, documentary. Right, right, right. Documentary, documentary feature. feature. Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. Um, she was terrified, which is She fair. was like, she could, she was mortified. She was, they were taking up so much time. She, yeah. she looked like she didn't know where she was. Every time she was talking, she was like looking around nervously, like being like, how do I get out? <laughs> Am I really here? It was horrifying. I, I felt bad for her. But on that note though, I kind of, again, liked that about the Oscars that like when they cut to the, to like the attendees, you know, I wasn't looking at like Reese Witherspoon and like Brad Pitt and all these people like being cheeky with the camera. I was looking at like Mike's wife, Karen, who's like <laughs> never been outside for the last nine months and is just like staring down the camera being so uncomfortable. Oh my God. Yeah. You see regular people in this circumstance. Like it's not about like celebrities who are like posing for their moment. It's like, these are real people who like worked hard for something and actually get to be a part of it. And they're not just like way back in the rafters being like, yeah. good job, Bill. They're like, singing. that's a good point. Cause normally yeah. they'd have the documentary crews and like the rafters. The, yeah. the second level. Yeah. 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 They'd have to take the elevator down, but like, yeah. To actually see that everybody's sitting at the tables with the celebrities, like obviously there was like, you know, there's like Regina King and like Viola Davis and um, Vanessa Kirby, like all sitting in the front and stuff. But then it's just like the people that were in the smaller categories had like their friends and family there, like one person. And that was like, like um, for Nomadland, right? Like the woman who played Swanky, I guess, who actually is Swanky was sitting there and she was like, every time the camera went to Frances McDormand, she was already crying. Yeah. I couldn't believe that. This is a real side note. I'm, I hope this isn't a spoiler if you're planning to watch uh, Nomadland. Okay, okay. It's not really plot driven. Okay. Swanky dies in the movie. She dies like cool. off camera, Maggie. It's like, it's just, it doesn't even matter. Like it It's not going to no ruin it for you. But then you watch the credits and Swanky's name comes up in the credits. And I was like, 
what the fuck swanky dies like this is brutal like uh, she's a real person and she really died and they Uh, captured this journey cut to the oscars there's fucking swanky yeah i was like what they should have characterized the line between fiction and (laughs) non-fiction oh and then the other crazy moment was uh for me i mean very sad but the um best international feature was another drink with mads mickelson about these like four white bros who decide they're gonna like have their optimum lifestyle is just having a higher alcohol content so they just get more and more progressively drunk it just seems like like a movie of debauchery and his speech was going on for way too long and we're like cut it off and he's like and i'd like to dedicate this speech to my daughter who was hit by a car and died four days into the shoot and we dedicate this movie to her yeah it it took like such a turn of like just the darkest thing you could imagine and he's somehow saying like this movie is for her and kind of like about her and she's there in spirit. So I really want to now watch this movie. Cause I was like, I thought it was like a movie about assholes, yeah. but somehow it's actually about the meaning of life. I don't, anyway, you could tell that they were right about to cut that guy off too. <laughs> like they were, he was like five, four, three, two. And then his speech went on the, you know, this kind of sad turn and everyone's like, Oh my God, I did not see this coming. No. Um, but it ended up, I thought he was, he was pretty well-spoken and he spoke really, you know, it as you made would. me want to watch the movie. Yeah. And like I've the day after that award show, they greenlit, the American version of that movie with Leonardo DiCaprio is going to play Mads Mikkelsen's character. Of a movie really? that just came out. Because any, any successful international film that makes money will have an American uh, version. Like that, the movie with... Um, Skiing. The Untouchables one. The one with oh, the yeah. guy in the wheelchair. They made the American oh, yeah. version of that. The, the uh, you're talking about the I'm talking about yeah downhill and that. I forgot what the the Swedish one yeah something majeure oh yeah um, yeah. <laughs> yeah I didn't even know that there was an original version of that oh it's good yeah it's very Danish the downside that I felt about not having uh, celebrity seat fillers was that like. Uh, I did expect to see certain faces like Emma Stone and Timothy Chalamet, like sitting in the seats, like when Daniel Kaluuya makes a speech being like, hey, um, but that didn't happen. It was just like blank stares of people being like, what the fuck is he saying? Um, so there was Glenn Close and Reese Witherspoon just like <laughs> dancing. <laughs> Glenn Close yeah. a butt. Just the whitest girls in the world being like, we're just happy to be out. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. It was a double edged sword, but I did think it was like kind of it was the only time that these regular people would get to be the main focus of the Oscar. And it was a year that nobody watched. So you win some, you lose some. Do you guys think um, the Oscars are still relevant in a 2021 world or if they are just on a different, a different level, I guess. I think the peak time for the Oscars was like the eighties to late nineties, maybe into the early two thousands. But I feel like now when you're, I just feel like it's oversaturated. Like there's just a lot of Oscars are out there. And I feel like the more Oscars there are, the less coveted it feels. And it also, to you guys, to your point, it's like, it is very much a show first and then an award second. Mm -hmm. I also feel like we have like celebrity culture has changed so much in the past like 10 years. 
and I think peak Oscar, I agree with you, Elise, was like Titanic, like, yeah. or Shakespeare in Love. Like, that was the peak where it was just like a chance to gaze at these actors doing their own like performance for a night. Cause like, that's what it is. Mm-hmm. It's like they're there to do their own little performance. Like, you pan the camera to them and they're like ooing and aahing. And, um, but, yeah, I don't know. I think that we, like, there's, I don't know, celebrity culture is still very real, but I think that there's, I don't know, do we care less about them? I, I don't know how to explain it. I don't. It's not that we care less, it's just that we get so much of them all the time now, yeah. just because of social media and everything else. Like, I'm sure in the 80s, like, you either saw these people in a movie or you saw them at the award show. That's the only other time that you, you would see these people, right. You would see them at these kind of larger than life, giant galas and ceremonies and stuff where you'd be like, okay, this is where the, where the elite of entertainment gather together and celebrate how wealthy and like mm-hmm. how, how great they've done this year. And it, um, it definitely changes now. And it's, it's definitely an award show that is stuck in a different era. I think like it's stuck in the seventies or whenever it's like it, the idea of, I think it's, there's all the, you know, there's everything that goes with like the whitewashing, the Oscars and people not being nominated because of people think that they are definitely whitewashing. They've done it for a very long time, but now at the same time, it feels like there's a little bit in the back of people's minds. It's like, is this person just being nominated because they're not white now because they're kind of like course correct, Mm -hmm. you know, like did they actually make the best film this year or is this kind of them being like trying to clean up their act? I, I feel that way too, but I, I don't think that necessarily happened precisely this year. Like I do think Chloe Zhao deserved the best, director for Nomadland. I do think Nomadland was the best picture out of those ones, although I didn't see everything, but just based on reviews and uh, media coverage around it. And I was disappointed that she won this year when the least amount of people were watching. Right. I was going to say about relevance that it feels like the way that movies are released and distributed are changing so fast that the Oscars can't keep up, especially in a pandemic, like Mm -hmm. theatrical release is no longer relevant. And Netflix was however many of the best flip films, like it's streaming platforms are now creating content and they don't, I'm sure the accolades don't hurt, but it's a very different like way that we're taking in media and, and there's just so much choice at this narrowing it down to 10 movies. It's, it, it's now like 10. Well, I'm sure it's always been it, but it feels like it's very much 10 best that meet a certain criteria for a certain audience. It's feeling like a Hollywood need. It's mostly about celebrity and budget. And like, it's now, it's just, it's so, um, they've like sectioned themselves off in a way that it's now, it's not, it's not like mainstream in the same way anymore. It's, mm-hmm. it's yeah. much more like a section of what is to be offered and what it you can be also, watching. There's so many movies that like, as you're saying, like get left out that you're like, what, like, this is still arbitrarily a good movie. Like whether or not yeah. it was nominated for an Oscar, even recognized by the Academy, like yeah. this was a, a good movie. I feel like movies have changed fundamentally since this has started as well. And then they're just kind of not 
addressing like a huge chunk of what movies are and what people go to see movies are. They're trying to look at it still as like film as an art form kind of, but it is not just an art form anymore. I think like it is important to be like whatever the year that Mad Max Fury Road was like nominated for best picture and all this stuff, because it's a great movie. Like it's never like it is in its own way, a piece of art on film. Like it is like incredibly well done and is like a director's vision of like from beginning to end. And I think it is great. It's just that, uh, lacking a plot or character development. They yeah, also like it. I don't think it, matter? I don't think it is. It's just, it has just a very, it doesn't have the plot of the Chicago seven where it's mm-hmm. people shouting for two and a half hours or whatever. It's yeah. people being silently angry in cars for two and a half hours. Right. And someone's just missing an, an arm. Endless car chase. Yeah. And it's, oh. I, that movie is fantastic. It's so good. I don't, uh, you can hear, I don't like it that much. I think it's beautiful. Oh, Spotlight. Spotlight beat Mad Max. Oh, which makes both are very good movies. Favorite movie of all time. Yeah. Yeah, but it it in what world would Mad Max beat Spotlight in that scenario? In the Oscars. Zero out of zero times. Yeah. I was Googling best Oscar moments and the moment. Oh, I didn't write it down. But the moment that um, Catherine Bigelow won for Hurt Locker and James Cameron didn't was one of the great oh. moments of my life. Same. I remember watching that. I remember. And I remember being like, if he fucking wins. Hey, what are the, what a Hollywood moment just there. Exes. He's a known asshole. Are They're both. Exes? Yeah. Yeah. They dated. They were married. They both get nominated for best director the same year, mm-hmm. and she would be the first woman to ever win best director if she won, and then she fucking won. Yeah. That you can't you can't write that. Was that the Avatar year? Yeah, I'm, yeah, I believe so. I think she won best director for Hurt Locker, and Avatar won best picture. Apparently, it would have been a bigger crime if he had won for Avatar versus like losing against whatever, but. Catherine Bigelow, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's, I just think that, I think they need to add certain categories, like, I don't know, most important movie of the year that they kind of have to like add like different categories of like, like the whole chunk of movies that people go specifically to the theater to go see. Like, I think only recently, like, Christopher Nolan has been trying almost to get an Oscar like for Dunkirk and like those other movies, but like, I don't know when I think what the dark Knight was one of the only ones that was kind of like a popular overall movie that was like almost one best picture and like could have almost won an Oscar, but I don't know. Like it's, I don't necessarily think that, Fast and Furious and like movies like that need to have Oscars, but I do think that they need to kind of loosen their ties in terms of like, whatever, how snooty they look at certain movies. Like you watch the trailer for all of, you know, Nomadland, Trial of the Chicago Seven, Judas and the Black Beside. You're like, these are movies that are going to get nominated just by the beats that they show in the trailers. Mm -hmm. And I think they need to mix it up a little bit. Can I ask about most memorable Oscar moments for you guys of all of your times? 
My favorite moments every year with the Oscars in which, memoriam, which yeah, in memoriam, which which I heard they that they up this year. <laughs> My favorite, which yeah. I heard that they didn't do this year. So correct me if I'm wrong. Is when they play the 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 clip alongside of the nominee yeah they didn't of, do like, that. of like the like the 10 second clip and that's like my fa- my absolute favorite thing about the oscars like watching the actress like watch herself on mm. screen and like the like guessing which clip they're going to use when you watch the movie and you're like this is the scene they're using yeah. and they just didn't include that are they crazy well, that's they why did i watch do that they did do that for some movies i don't okay. think they did that for the individual categories but i remember i think they did it for best picture only the end the like s- the last three no that's, that's silly. not true they did it for the documentary ones too Oh, that's true. Yeah. But what they did do is let all the acceptance win, uh, winners go on as long as they wanted with their acceptance. It's just like, have they been listening? Don't they know that that's like the joke of the Oscars is that people talk for too long? There was like one guy in France and he was like going on for too long. And then his wife came in and like kissed him on the shoulder. But I thought she was trying to like tell him to stop. It was very confusing. Well, I think she was. I think a producer sent her in and was like, you need to get him to stop. But she just was like, that's how you would tell Elliot to stop talking. Yeah. And then Elliot would be like, <laughs> Are you kidding? She'd be like, Get off. Yeah, I'd be like on the side being like, Shut the fuck up. She'd just push him. <laughs> no, no, no. That's how you'd like to think you would be. But you come on. I really think I'd go up to Elliot and like gingerly be like, Time to go. Yes. That's what I would do to Kate. <laughs> Sweetheart. <laughs> oh, baby, it's time to finish up. Sorry, we got to go. Sorry, your Oscar speech needs to wrap up. I would never. But you asked about best Oscar moments in history. Yeah. And I see that you have it written in your notes, but it's obviously (laughs) the most important moment of all time, which is Adele Dazeem. There will always be a special place in my heart for the movie musical and for the songs that create their most memorable moments. Here to perform the Oscar-nominated, gorgeously empowering song, Let It Go, from the Oscar-winning animated movie, Frozen, please welcome the wickedly talented, one and only, Adele Dazim. Oh, that is pretty good. That's pretty important. That's that's very important. Though his wife and son have now died, so I'm really willing to cut him a break. (laughs) Oh, I'm (laughs) getting your name wrong. Oh, you're glad he did it. You're pro Travolta. This, this is like why I'm we so have sorry. the Oscars for those <laughs> cultural moments. For Adele. That's important. You're applauding him for his work. Yes. He's actually for his really teleprompter brave. read. Uh, Adele. There, there, there is one that I forgot about, actually. It's, um, I don't know if it was last year or two years ago. Um. It was when Sam Rockwell won the Oscar. I love he, him. Three billboards. And he did his his speech. was one of the best speeches. And he was like, I think he said he was like, I was in school one day and my dad came to pick me up. And he told my teacher, he's like, yeah, it's his grandma. We have to go. And so he takes him out of class and he takes him in the car. It's like, oh my God, what what's wrong with grandma? And then his dad just says, nothing, we're going to the movies. And they just went to the movies instead. And they just, (laughs) something like that. When I was eight years old, I was called into the principal's office and my father was looking very solemn. And he said, we got to go, it's grandma. 
And we got in the car and I said, uh, what's wrong with grandma? And he said, nothing, we're going to the movies. I That's forgot so about that. That's so good. I, I love him. He's he was so good. Um, he was I good in that movie. He was oh, great in that great. movie, and so is Francis McDormand. Francis McDormand also showed up to this Oscar like she had no intention of going. Like she asked her neighbor if she could borrow her dress and just like ran a hair. Her recently widowed neighbor. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. It's only wore turn of the century linen. <laughs> yeah, she just like put some water through her hair with a comb. Yeah, like, did like, she right, brush her hair? Go. I no, love it. No. But she did wolf. She did call like a wolf. I saw that. Yeah, she's something. But I thought one of the best speeches I've probably ever seen was the woman who played the grandmother in Minari. Oh, she's great. Um, she was so funny and. I loved her in that movie and I was like I wonder how the director like how did he work with this actress to get that character because it's so specific um, and then I realized that it probably was she probably had a lot of influence into how that character ended up being developed. As you know I'm from Korea and actually my name is Yeo Jung Yoon and it, most of European people call me Yeo Young and some of them call me Yoo Jung but tonight you are all forgiven. <laughs> she was really great and I think she had the best speech of the night. I loved su- that speech. Yeah, I was surprised how, how much I enjoyed that movie too. Uh Minari or how do they pronounce it? Minari? Yeah. Yeah. I haven't seen it yet. I really want to see it. We should watch it this weekend. My parents loved it. We're gonna have yeah. to pay 20 bucks for it. What? Are you serious? What? Fuck. Yeah, you gotta rent it. <laughs> um so if if the Academy knocked on your guy's door tomorrow and said, you guys are directing the next Oscars and you get a full creative control of what's in it and what's not, what what are some things that you would keep the same and what are some things that you would change? I think I would like bring it back to like the late 90s. I think I would make it like a, just Amen. a celebrity fest, like a, like a glamour just red carpet celebrity celebrity interactions everybody's a little drunk yeah i'd give them much more alcohol lots of like panning to the audience when longer they're not in attention. memoriam section yeah longer in memoriam like clips for the actual movie a really good host like a comedian yeah a comedian billy uh, who oh we should think of right now who should who would be a good host I know he's having some issues, but I do think John Mulaney would be great. Oh, he would be incredible. I just think he's a perfect host material because he's a little square, but like smart enough to handle it. And also we'll just take down the audience. Kate McKinnon would be really good. Yeah, I do. Uh, I think Nathan Fielder from Nathan for you would be a great Oscar host. Charisma of a snail. No, America would not understand. They would not. Every they, single, they wouldn't get it. Every single category would have like a really elaborate like business plan that didn't make any sense. <laughs> For this year's Oscar, the best Oscar nominees were all put into a room filled with darkness with only a banana and then we to get out of the room. Uh, so that would be cool. I'd also say there should be one really, really great performance. I don't think we need to have several. Uh, but one really good one. Um, I think they have to like, there's certain things they have to keep like the celebrity stuff. Like people love to see 
whoever the hell is getting out of what car and who's wearing what and like dial that up to as big as possible and have like those kind of red carpet things, but not nearly as long. It is way too long. It's like two and a half hours beforehand where all these people are slowly showing up and pitter pattering in. Um, I do like that. They try to make it more cinematic this year. Like they use those new cameras and this new shooting style or whatever, like hire an actual person who shoots a movie to film this thing. And then I think like Elise said, there should be maybe not a bunch of musical stuff in between, but like one or two that are like one to open the show, maybe one to close it or like in the middle somewhere to like kind of break it up. Like even if they hired like popular bands that are around today to like sing classic movie songs or like sing something like to do like a, a cover of something that's like, of whatever. Cause like, you know, they do like the intro and outro music when they fade up, like just songs that have won or like music from movies. Um, I think they need to do a better job of introducing each category by like, if they do like best screenplay and then right before that category, they show like a clip of one of a screenplay that is won before that has like a great bit of dialogue. So they could use a clip from at 90% of any Aaron Sorkin movie where there's like just a good, chunk of dialogue but like i don't know how that guy wrote that like just kind of get people excited and then you can kind of do the like the little itty bitty clips of whatever it is that the each thing is who the people who are nominated um and montages throw the montages in montages are so key like especially for like like i don't know like visual effects and stuff. Cause like, just show a bunch of stuff, like why, how far we've gone since visual effects. Show like a timeline of like the first star Wars movie or even before that to like what movies look like now. Cause like, just like we have gone through this so much, this art form has changed so drastically. We don't just care about whatever movie of some person who's poor, who then becomes unpoor by the end of it. And like, they have to go through some struggle and they get the Oscar for whatever reason. Right. Like it's, I just feel like it's so boring, so much of it. And um, again, like, I don't know how you would, like part of the awkward long speeches is part of what people like to talk about afterwards as well. So I think some people rambling on and saying whatever stuff, just get rid of all the shit where you talk to the audience. Don't ask Glenn Close to do the butt dance, you know, stuff like that, you know? I did have a good time though when that was happening. Sure, but then you really think, like, that's... I could have shaved 10 minutes off this by not watching that, and I could have been in bed that much sooner. Well, ladies and gentlemen, let us know what you would do with your Oscars next year and what you think they should change or what you think they're doing really great. And, as always, until next time, keep it loose. Keep it loose.